Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Service Management Leadership Podcast. We have a great guest today, Kenny Hosey, Director of Service Management for a hospital system in Florida. It's really more uh, national than just Florida, but he's based out of Florida. It's great to have you on the show, Kenny. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you for having me as well. And so I, I appreciate Kenny. He reviewed my I Tell Four book. He wrote the foreword. I appreciate him. And he was on a few months ago. So today we're just going to talk about three topics, maybe a little more in depth, but here we go. So I Tell Four talks about opportunity and demand. Demand are known items. You know, we know how to deal with these. Let's, let's figure out how to put more into their opportunity is new functionality, projects, all that sort of thing. What do you think about dividing work in this way? Um, I, I think we have to look at what the underlying piece of this is, right? And it's all about competitive advantage. What, what are we doing to keep pushing forward? Um, no matter where the work's coming from, no matter if that's internal IT work that we're trying to improve our internal IT services, or we're trying to improve our customer experience, whatever it may be, um, you know, that, that can come from, hey, we're, we're trying to get a leg up on the competition, um, or we're trying to improve what we're doing so we stay ahead of the competition in this area. Um, but that's really the focus. And one of the big pieces when you start thinking of where does this come in, uh, where do we feed that from ITIL, right? We, we look at uh, continual improvement, right? That's going to constantly feed us and, and, and make our existing services better, or hopefully design some new services coming out of that that we can do better. All right. So I want to push in a little bit on this, okay? So most organizations have most, if not all, ITIL v3 processes, tool, and everything set up. And they already have some intake from a portal or self-service, service catalog, whatever you want to call it, whatever it looks like in your organization. Yeah. You're talking about using continual improvement to leverage what you currently have into the ability to intake. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For for making improvements, right? So that would uh, come from one one aim of it, right? But uh, we also have to account for the new, right? How do we create new and stay ahead? So the other thought I had for you is, if you know the known items are demand, mm -hmm. and the the new or one offs are opportunities, I wanted to get your perspective on this. It seems like. I would want to turn as many opportunities into demands as possible because even though they may look and smell a little bit different, they still are like a, a demand we already have in the system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, it, you know, it's it, one big piece of, of this is how are we going to how are we going to intake those or develop those? Right. Where are they coming from? Um, and, and, you know, are, are they coming from our customers asking for more? Are they coming from the market and just saying this is the new way to do it? Um, are they are they coming internally from our leaders or or from our, our folks in the field? Um, but we we have to have ways of intaking those and, and understanding what we're going to do next. So you bring up a great point that I want to push in further, if I may. You talk about discussing this with stakeholders, 
It yeah. seems to me that your opportunities would be great conversation starters or continuing conversations with your business stakeholders so you could align where they're going. Like you see a bunch of opportunities that look alike and you're like, huh, our business customers seem like they're wanting to go in this direction. It seems like that would be a great vehicle. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And you think about ITIL 4 and what's one of the key changes between 3 and 4? It's it's co-creating value with your consumers. So if, if you're not able to understand what they want, you're not going to be able to deliver anything to them. So that's that's a big problem that I feel like ITIL 3 kind of left out there, right? We were just, we were creating value and sending it out to the consumer and you will take our value and you will value it. Um, the, you know, we, we've taken a step back and, you know, as we, we get in and start talking about uh, customer experience becoming such a big focus and, and driving what we're doing, um, that's going to drive our demand. That's going to uh, help drive our opportunities that we have as well. Oh, yes. And I just thought that these are great vehicles of conversation. You know, like if you really, so I, I hearken back because I'm a little older, right? I remember when the credit card companies would look at how you spent money on credit cards and build a profile off of you. And yeah. so I would think that IT groups could look at what the business is spending money on through their, you know, their demands and opportunities and build a profile the same way. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And, and you look at um, Facebook and, and all these other companies, they're, they're doing the same with their advertisement, right? That's, that, that's really finding out what is, is driving these consumers and get that in front of them. Now, it doesn't work 100% of the time, but it at least gives you a list of what we need to be focusing on. And, and so, um, yeah, absolutely. If you're not going directly to the stakeholders and having them come in and, and be part of some type of uh, committee to give you that direct feedback, you have to find other ways of feedback. And whether that's through reporting or, or watching the spend, um, you know, money tells a lot about what we're doing, right? So follow the money. That's going to help us understand what people are interested in. Uh, but I definitely encourage to, to have voices in the room, too, um, on top of that. So uh, adding both aspects of it, we, we definitely need to have key stakeholders that can come from the business uh, to help IT know, hey, where, where should we be driving to next? And you bring up that. And I, can I take it a little bit further? Mm -hmm. not, not only that, but and I want to get your opinion on it. But if we're having resources, if the, if the business is telling us they want us to go right, and we have all these resources that are left, this should be an indication that we need to shift our resources, whether it's people, process, technology, and invest where the business is going. Yeah. And none of us like to do work that's not valuable, right? right. Um, you know, one of my pet peeves is spending a, a ton of time working on something and then having to redo it because we didn't have the understanding of what was wanted up front. We didn't have the right requirements. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we, we think about that only in the application development build outs or, um, you know, as we're building out architecture. Um, when we get into the, the architecture piece of it, are we really spending that same architecture time in the services space as well? Or are we just really trying to reserve architecture for applications and hardware and, and our infrastructure? Um, so that's one thing we, we really need to step back and say, uh, we, as we talk about demand and where that's going to be coming from, uh, are we set up to intake that and then plan for what we're going with uh, going forward? 
Right, and our, our metrics should help us plan resource-wise. Yeah. So last question on this topic. So it's demands and opportunities. Is, yeah. Should there be a third? Is there another type of intake that we should be thinking about? Not that the ITIL four authors missed anything, not trying to say that, but every organization's different. Is there another type of, of intake that you can think of? Yeah, I think this is something uh, uh, we at Advent Health are kind of gra grasping with right now um, as we start to talk about, you know, how will we take on projects going forward? How do we intake work? You know, a lot of that is driven uh, by our company strategy. Um, but even with that, we, we still have hundreds of physician practices that are associated with us. And that comes opinions and thoughts and needs from, from all different types of areas. And trying to get those focused in and aligned, uh, that's very important. I, I think opportunity and demand cover a big piece of it. I haven't given much thought to, to where out else those could be driven because demand and opportunity can mean so many things, right? That doesn't mean someone just came and said, I need this. It could just be the market is going this way. And so the market is kind of dictating, hey, this is where we go to, right? Um, think about healthcare with COVID. You know, as we shifted into that work from home, everyone's working from home, there became a higher demand for telehealth. That is a huge thing. But think from an IT side, what you have to do to try to deliver that service. That's a new service. We need to define it well. We need to think about our capacity, our, our uh, infrastructure. We need to make sure we have the right applications. But we also need to know, hey, what are my SLAs for this service? How do we set it up? There, there are so many components to it that we need to think about. So um, that, that demand was driven environmentally. That wasn't necessarily something that came from one person. It was a product of the environment. And that's a great thought, or like strategic direction would be another one. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I thought of as you were talking was DevOps. DevOps doesn't really fit into one or the other because it might bounce back and forth between the two, you yeah. know, and so things of that nature. And the thing, especially ITIL version three, right? The thing it, it really struggled with was how do we how do we create seed but still not lose governance, you know? And, and when we get into ITIL four, we're still pushing governance. But DevOps is about speed, right? We want to get that done quickly. So, so there is a little bit of a clash in understanding how do we make this work. There, there's a lot of good guidance uh, from ITIL 4, but just like everything else, it's not prescriptive. It doesn't say do it this way. So, so I think that's on us to try to adopt our thinking with it and not just assume this is a pretty plug and play thing. Um, we have to think how do we uh, still keep our ITIL processes and integrate with this stuff without becoming a roadblock to it. Oh, yes. And you governance, I put out posts recently that I most people treat it like it's a profane word, you know, because but yeah. it's needed and everything that goes fast has governance. I mean, I think uh, airplanes, how they meticulously scrutinize every bolt and every nut and maybe we should do the same. All right. So moving on to that was a great discussion on the first topic. Moving on to the second one. Organizational change management is now blooming. It's everywhere. And if I ever hear people talk about change management, it seems like more of them are talking about organizational versus the ITIL V3 version. Are there other things that, that you're seeing or that you have a good pulse on, maybe just thoughts, 
of ways to get adoption and buy-in, or maybe you want to talk about organizational change management, but you know, it seems like in V3, you mentioned, hey, we're, we're, we're creating value and you'll like it, you know, kind of like with a little kid and you will like it. And so are there other things that we can do to help with that buy-in? Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest part is really having your organization understand what organizational change management is. And, and I 100% think uh, this is the reason why uh, IT change management switched from change management to change enablement, right? Because they're pushing this so much. But I recently went through some training for uh, uh, ProSci, uh, organizational change management training, uh, and they follow the ADCAR model. Um, and I think that might even be mentioned in uh, the ITIL training uh, now, but that, that's really important for your organization to understand it uh, and have a centralized point that can understand it and figure out a strategy of how to adopt it. Um, but, but the answer really lies in organizational change management. What are you trying to do? You're trying to change culture. That is the hardest thing to change. I can change an IT system. I can change my infrastructure. Changing culture is difficult. Um, so uh, going through that process of getting people to adopt your new internal service or how we support that service. Um, we're on a journey right now from an Epic transition, moving from Cerner to Epic. That is a huge deal, but there are way uh, big differences between how we supported things in the Cerner environment and how we're gonna do that going forward. Now we have to get everyone on board and in a very short time, uh, adoption of our asset management processes, right? The importance is there, but if people don't do those things, it's it's going to fall on its face. So uh, organizational change management, though, it can't be successful if you don't have sponsors behind it. So that's number one. If you are trying to make big changes in the organization or how, how we're delivering our services, even if we're trying to implement ITIL 4 for the first time, those are big changes that have to have support. So uh, I could probably talk about organizational change management for, for two or three podcasts with you. Um, but realistically, um, we just need to understand that and, and really understand what it means and pick a model that works for us. There's multiples. I've got on LinkedIn uh, uh, an article that I published a long time ago about some of those models and how long they've been around for. Uh, organizational change is not new. Um, we just have to get up to speed with it and make sure we understand how to do it best. That, that's really the piece behind it. So you mentioned two things in this discussion that I want to push in on. You mentioned customer experience earlier. And so, you know, what's interesting is everybody values our opinion other than if you're an IT customer. You know what I mean? Like, you get surveys, you get, hey, tell us how you're feeling, thumbs up, thumbs down. The second of all, on organizational change management, this is just my view. We look at it as big projects, but you and your group recently upgraded your ServiceNow instance. See, to me, that needs OCM because yeah. buttons are in different places, workflows, you know, and I see I've been places where all they got was an email. Hey, it'll be down over the weekend. And I'm like, you really have to help your customers here. Or uh, the other one I went through that I was really like pounding the table was moving from Microsoft Office, you know, on-prem to 365 at the time. The buttons are in the wrong, different places. You know, the, you think about that stuff. People need to know. I'll yeah. turn that over to you. Sorry for the soapbox. 
And if you leave out a stakeholder, you better believe as a leader, you're going to hear about it. So um, that, that's the other big thing, right? Um, but but that's the importance of it. And that's, that's the importance of having this as um, ingrained into your organization. You know, we, we talk, everyone knows about project management, but why is organizational change management not a layer that lays right on top of that? That, that really should be one in one, how we try to get that done. And obviously, as we scale, that's going to change how, how much it's involved, right? Um, but just like anything else, if we're not doing those, and we don't have a defined process and uh, defined model that we're following, now we're going to fall flat on our face, because everyone's going to start doing it differently if they're doing it at all. Um, and, and then it just becomes a, a culture of thinking, this is the way IT operates. And now, IT as a culture has a reputation. And just like everything else, now you need organizational change management to change the opinion of IT's culture. Um, so it, it's it's really tough, right? Yeah, and uh, we've all been there, right? Walked into situations and everybody hates IT because of things that happened in the past and you know we have to start building bridges, breaking down silos, mm -hmm. being collaborative. And you mentioned leadership. So much of it is a top-down push. You know, we we don't want to think about that because nobody that's not at the top wants to think it's that way. But usually, if the what's important to the people at the top, it it pushes its way down. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned the key sponsor, right? Yeah. That really should be as high as you can go in the IT organization uh, to help drive this adoption of organizational change. Um, and then make sure that everything going forward has some level of leadership being a sponsor to what's being changed. Because we uh, we look up to our leaders. They, they give us guidance. They give us strategy. Um, if we do not feel like they support something that's being rolled out or it's not important to them, guess what? Adoption is going to fall flat on its face. Uh, and that's kind of the, the bread and butter of organizational change. Right. And culture People think, you know, everybody likes the Peter Drucker quote of, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, but nobody wants to think that their cultures could use improvement. But I see culture as the way like behaviors are allowed, the way that the regular employees carry out the company values, things of that nature, which leadership may or may not see, which is a very interesting dynamic that how leadership views culture and how the, the people on the floor experience it could be totally different. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So two great topics. Moving on to the third. In, in the book that you helped write the forward, reviewed, I appreciate everybody that reviewed it. Just we all have our blind spots. We yeah. all do. And the older I get, the more I realize I do. And having a wife and two teenagers, they're quick to point out and keep the catalog of them. But I talk about understanding where you are, current state. I call it a GPS moment. Um, so you, you came from Disney, right? You know, you're at the theme park. There's a big map and it says you are here. And I talk about you need to understand where you are and then you need to progress iteratively. But I want to take a step higher level. I think that's pretty much how we should view trans, transformations as a whole, not just I till four. What are your thoughts on on transformation strategy? Yeah, well, um, my my favorite part of ITIL four is the guiding principles, and most importantly, is start where you are. Because if you take a look at that, 
Um, we are not gracious in IT. We do not give ourselves enough space. We do not give ourselves enough credit for what we've done. Um, and we always try uh, a new vendor comes in and presents this product and says, this is what you can do and how it all connects up to each other. And, and yes, you can uh, with, with an investment in that product and investment in tons of people or services to help you get to that point. Um, and, and that's great but it doesn't layer in the complexity of your organization, the culture of your organization, how many people you have available to work on it, the other work that's happening. Um, and so a lot of times we see this, this nirvana state of, of what salespeople pitch to us. And we think we're failing here, we're failing here, we just need to redo it. And, and what ITIL 4 says is, no, 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 you've done a lot of work stop, think about where you are, what you've gotten done. Sure, there's improvements to be made. We, we have some very mature processes and we've been uh, going on this journey of talking to other companies and really understanding where they are with some of the same pieces. And, and as we've done that, I found out we're, we're doing really well, but I know what we can do next. So as we go and look at that, while we're beating ourselves up saying, hey, we, we could be doing better. There's other companies saying, I wish I was there. I wish we had gotten there. So we can't just throw away the past and all the work that's gone into it and the effort. And you know what? As you implement that stuff, especially with organizational change, you've if you've done it successfully, you've created a new uh, a new culture and a new standard of where you're up to. So if you're now up to this bar, why go backwards? Start where you are and prove upon that. And that's really for everything. Um, if we take a look at the, the the lean methodology, right, and how we how we keep pushing forward, it's document what you have, find out where the waste is happening, and let's improve upon that, right? And, and that's really what I think uh, ITIL 4 kind of pulls from as they tried to implement a little bit of the DevOps and the, uh, the lean principles in there. Um, that, that's really important. But the guiding principles all around, I feel like every company, every IT organization as well, should define what their guiding principles are, because that just makes things a lot clearer coming into the game thinking that, you know, this is the way I move forward as an IT employee here. And, but the thing is, leadership changes pretty quickly nowadays in organizations, so it spins. But, you know, focus on value. Everybody would say, hey, that's awesome. Let's figure out what our business customers see as value and let's co-create that. Let's yeah. talk about optimize and automate. Hey, that yeah. sounds great too, right? Let's yeah. talk about collaboration and removing silos. That sounds great. And so... You know, we could talk about all of our our transformations in that lens, but I thought of an old quote when you were talking about talking to other, uh, you know, other companies, other hospitals, is comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. that's because we all look for ways that we're either superior or inferior, and sometimes it, it steals our momentum. Well, yeah, and as part of this, because actually you mentioned something there, um, comparing to other healthcare, we actually, um, not to say there aren't healthcare providers that are doing it better in some of the areas, um, but we actually ended up going to look outside and start looking at other industries, how they're doing, just trying to find out who's doing it better, right? And and that's a, that's a big piece, so it kind of matches up what you're saying. We're trying to see where we're not meeting the bar. And um, I, I actually have a couple times had to say, let's slow it down and take a look at where we are exceeding 
some of these pieces and celebrate that, right? Because if we don't celebrate it, we're going to look like we're just chasing this never-ending dream, but we're making things better every single time. I take a look at, uh, I'm about to hit my six-year mark here at Advent Health, and I take a look back at what we had when we started, and it's not me. It's the teams that have done it and the, the vision that goes around it, but it's incredible, and we talk about how long an upgrade used to take. Uh, I want to say we're, we're up to like a two-week upgrade with service now um, with zero downtime you know I, I think maybe less than a week freeze and production changes um, we're, we're just really pushing forward that's without even having automation so I know now we can think about automation making that even better and taking the testing time even down lower and so you, you really have to still give yourself credit and celebrate those moments and th that's probably more of a leadership lesson and an ITIL lesson, but um, that that's very key. And, and don't don't let your employees and your coworkers and, and your company uh, forget all of those things that we've done and, and the progress we've made. Yes, because we see two ends of the spectrum, right? Throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a U.S. term. Sorry for those of you in Europe and Asia don't understand that. It's basically we're just going to throw everything out and start new, which has been common practice over the years in IT. But the other, I tell the story in, in the book, Kenny, For you guys have to see the, his nice full beard in the video. So when you see this, make sure you go check out the video. I talk about a certain 15-year-old I know who's got the thinnest mustache, like all 15-year-old boys. And he's so proud of it. He sees it as like this big Tom Selleck mustache. And sometimes we're like that as well, because we choose our paradigm. And, and I I think that's great for you to go out and see how other people are doing it, but it's still your roadmap that you have to fulfill. It's not anybody else's, right? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's why I think, you know, that that's a big piece. I know a lot of the conferences have gone uh, virtual, uh, but that's a big piece that's been missing since the pandemic happened. That was a good opportunity to network with other organizations, um, with, with other um, um, vendors that are out there really get those stories and understand where things are. But, you know, I, I always, I always caution, you know, uh, let, let's not take our, our full uh, area of where we're measuring ourselves at that you are here. Let's not get that from salespeople, right? right? Let's, let's make sure we, we get an accurate uh, assessment of where we are. That's right. I'm always an advocate of using the CMMI model for program and process I talked about this on here, so it's not a secret, but my method is taking the V3 process activities, asking a series of questions, one to five scale on CMMI. How well are we doing? How well are we prioritizing incidents? How well are we, you know, you pick any topic, right? And then going backwards from that and saying, all right, where do we want to invest in? Because we can do it all. You know, resources are finite. But it puts into this at least flavors the conversation of let's be purposeful with where we invest. And I think that's what you were getting at. Absolutely. All right. So last topic, I saw you had some recent posts on LinkedIn about the ServiceNow common uh, CSDM, common service data model, about the self-service portal, CMDB, things of that nature. Do you think organizations struggle in those areas or what was the purpose in you having those polls? 
Yeah, I think the big part, again, is to figure out where we are in comparison to some other organizations out there. And, and this was a high level where we're having more targeted conversations with some organizations and, and getting demos and kind of demoing for them and just talking about what are you guys doing? What, what are your channels of service that you're offering? And it, it all goes back to the service experience, right? That's that's really what we're trying to improve and making sure we invest. So we're, we're heavily investing in voice of the customer, trying to understand what they want to get out of this, how they perceive our services today, um, but also trying to say what, what are our opportunities that we have. And a big piece of that's investment, right? We own a lot of pieces. Our, our company uses ServiceNow currently. Um, we use CA Service S Manager in the past. Um, but as you purchase products, right, you, you're going to have different uh, pieces that go along with that. And you're not going to be able to necessarily implement everything, right? So uh, the big key for us is, is around strategy. Where are we going to spend our time focusing next? Uh, the question comes down to, do our clinicians, nurses, doctors, do they want more chat, right? Well, if they want more chat, that's great. Let's find out from them and, and invest some time in that. Um, but do they have the tools to allow them to chat while they're doing rounds on the floor? Do they have a, a phone to open up a chat? Do they have a, a computer nearby? Um, those are some of the questions we want to understand from our internal resources. Um, so it differs from industry to industry, right? And I, I talk, we're, we're kind of talking to every industry, trying to understand what they're doing. Uh, but at the same time, you got to listen to your stakeholders. Your stakeholders need to be the key driving points. Uh, but at the same time, let, let's understand uh, where that demand uh, or opportunity is coming from. We're basically trying to figure out, are there other opportunities we don't know about that other companies are taking advantage of? Which is an awesome perspective, right? It's like, yeah. tell me what I don't know. You yeah. mentioned chat. I will mm -hmm. tell you that as a customer, there is there are a few things more frustrating than a bad chat experience. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're you're being forced or directed into a chat experience that's not helpful. Is that yeah. your experience as well? Yeah, especially as AI comes into the factor, right? When we get into these um, chat bots, um, chat bots are great. I'm not dogging chatbots. Uh, in fact, I, I recently built one for the organization at, at Microsoft um, Azure. So we, we have that functionality, but then the question is, to the customer experience, do I go start chatting and it says, hey, I'm bot one, two, three, nice to talk to you. And, and people just don't like these automated responses. Now, as we mature and mach machine learning comes in and, and we think about that nat natural language processing, that, that's going to all be key elements to make sure these are real conversations that happen. But at what point do we say, okay, this conversation needs to hand off to a live individual to help because we've, we've exhausted our knowledge in this space. That doesn't mean we can't build upon it, um, but I think it's great. I, I leveraged it in uh, Amazon space here recently for a personal purchase that I made. Um, and I had a great experience. I handled everything that I needed on that chat, uh, sent me all of my details, got me everything set up. Um, but then another day I called in did the same thing. They walked me through some troubleshooting steps, got it fixed. Both experiences were good. It's just what did I have the time for or the technology to initiate? Because if I'm on the road, I might want to just call up Amazon support. I need to have multiple channels and know when I need to use them, uh, but also what capabilities we have to use them.
and you know let's be honest chat especially if it's just redirecting to knowledge articles cheapest yeah. the cheapest way to handle that that experience so it has to be good if we're forcing it because it's cheap the but other thing go ahead and chats are getting better right we now have more technology like cards we can send them and and there's responses we can do by pushing buttons in the chat so it's not all done through chat anymore now we have more interaction so as that technology improves i, I think we'll see some more improvements there i do too i just i my only fear is people getting turned off by it while it's still immature yes yeah. and you know we think of the service desk you you mentioned customer experience and that's one of my so boxes probably for this year, 2021, yeah. is how do we redirect our, our view to that customer experience of our services, whatever it is, right? Yeah, and if you take if you take a step back though and take a look at how people viewed the help desk before it became a service desk, right? It's same thing, right? We can get there. It's just gonna take some time. It might take some rebranding too. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, the help desks were not always thought of very fondly uh, from an IT perspective. Um, and they, the concept of it becoming a service desk where they help, uh, you know, were able to provide more of a service. Um, that that kind of expanded things a little bit. So uh, as we get into like the things that HCI has done to improve and and kind of standardize or, or push the boundaries of, right? Uh, again, those services have helped create demand or opportunity in other areas. Oh yes, and and so if we think of how organizations, especially with the customer experience lens on. But from an IT perspective, the chat's exp uh, the cheapest interaction. So let's invest in that and make it a great one. The next is our service desk. And so let's invest in that so they could take more L2, L3 calls. How do we get us more into that and not use the resources that would be doing opportunities having to take calls? That's my view. Uh, get your perspective. And we've actually talked to a couple companies that don't even allow customers to call in and create a request via the phone. They actually have such a robust and mature catalog. Their culture has been changed at the organization that you go to the catalog and it's all self-service. Again, those calls are more expensive than a self-service ticket being open. Um, but you have to have that mature easy to use customer experience in the catalog, uh, or it's not gonna be a good experience for them. So, and like we've talked about, right? That's a big culture change. I would not recommend you doing that overnight, right? Uh, you're, you're gonna get a lot of phone calls and probably uh, called into the boss's office if you try that one. Yeah, and the other side of that is it takes great knowledge articles. It yeah. takes a investment in knowledge and knowledge is one of those that everybody, for lack of a better term, poo-poos. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's just knowledge. But yeah. if we are to this point to where Google is a verb and yeah. we go Google something, people want to do that same. And so I've recently helped an organization and they don't see for another aspect. So they have all their knowledge in one system and then they use an ITSM tool over here. And I'm like, it doesn't cost you that much to integrate them where somebody can do a search in your ITSM tool and it pulls in a knowledge article. You have to be able to congeal those, to consolidate those in a way for your customer's benefit. Yeah, and, and I would say one, one of the more difficult pieces of knowledge, there, there are a lot of things that your customer can do self-service as well. 
Um, but as security gets tighter, there, there's a lot less ability for them to do some of these things on their own. So that's one other thing as you mature your catalog process, again, take a look at what, what ITIL4 is guiding us to do, right? Let's see where we can automate. Can we give them opportunities that if I make this request, it installs this software on my computer for me? You know, I don't have admin rights. I can't install software. That's a security need. Um, but it's an approved software. It's in our catalog. We can push it after if it requires a license, we get approval or a purchase order going, whatever it may be, that, that's a big piece of it, right? So um, as we think through that, that's that's a big piece of what I was trying to accomplish with those those surveys and the conversations we're having is, is what is our next steps, right? We, where do we invest in next, whether that's time or money? Um, we need to think about what's next, what brings the most value. Um, but also, you know, again, whatever we gain out of this information, we can't go create value and push it on our customer. Right. I need to bring the customer in as a stakeholder and say, yes, here's some things we're thinking about doing. Let's talk through uh, which ones bring you value. And again, that's part of that voice of the customer we're trying to hear. And they have to, right? I mean, can you, I had this on LinkedIn a few days or weeks ago. Can you imagine any other industry? We go stand up a brick and mortar store and they say, who's your customer? And you say, I don't know. Well, yeah. what products do they want? I don't know. Can you imagine doing that? But that's what we've done in IT for a long time, right? This is our product and yes, they will buy it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just couldn't imagine. Kenny, we thank you for being on the show. This great conversation. Uh, you bring a wealth of uh, knowledge and I encourage everybody to connect with Kenny, especially as he's sharing more and more about his uh, what he's learning from these conversations because I expect more and more articles on LinkedIn from you from these conversations. Maybe that's a high expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for having me. And uh, you do owe me a forward once I end up writing a book. Um, so I'll make sure I cash in on that later. Oh, writing's uh, easy for me. It, the words are easy. The, the depth and thought behind it take a little time, yeah. but I will be happy to. And I thank you uh, again for writing that and reviewing that book. Have a great day, Kenny. Thank you very much. Take care.